Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. Thank you for affording your pastor the opportunity to, to, to play his guitar and sing. I love it. Um, and uh, I am so thankful that Christopher is coming this coming weekend. Um, so, okay, let me, let me just do a little brief setup. Over the next few weeks, um, we're going to talk about faith. Uh, it, through the book of Luke, we're going to look at aspects of faith. And, and so I want to set up the next handful of sermons. Okay, so the author of Hebrews... In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Are you with me? Now, if, if that's true, if that's true, and it is, but if it's true that I can't please God without faith in my life, that should immediately raise a question of, okay, God, what is a faith? What is the, the kind of faith that pleases you? What does it look like? And that's what I want to be. I want to kind of have the kind of faith that honors you and pleases you and will end in glory with you. Amen, somebody? And so that's what we're going to look at today. And today we're going to talk about persistent faith. Persistent faith. And I'm in Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to read Luke 18 verses 1 to 8. It should be on the screen there. Um, Mr. James, can you put that up there for me, brother? Luke chapter 18. Now, if you didn't bring a Bible today, there's a, a hardback black pew Bible in the rack in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that Bible. Let that be our gift to you. Just use it and read it. And if you get a new Bible one day, give it away. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said... In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming." You got to chuckle at that. This sweet lady nagged this unrighteous judge to death. Verse 6 And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Verse 7 And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? So Jesus tells a parable today, all right? He tells a parable about praying and without losing heart. How many of you have ever lost heart in praying? You're praying and you're praying and, and you just don't 
feel like you're getting anywhere and so you just give up. Anybody with me today? It, praying's tough. Praying is tough. Talking to somebody across a table at breakfast or lunch makes sense, but praying's tough. And sometimes we lose heart. How many of you have you ever heard the phrase, persistence pays off? All right, you were taught as a little kid, there's a story of the tortoise and the hare. And who won? The tortoise did. And it wasn't because he was faster out of the gate. It was because he was persistent, wasn't it? He never gave up and he kept plugging along. That's a great example of the Christian faith right there. It's not about how fast you run in the Christian faith. It's about finishing the race. And so persistence is a skill that, that we used to be taught. We used to be taught. Now we have a rule at our house. Miles and Sutton and Ella have the ability to try different sports because we don't know what they might or might not be good at, and so they can try. But one of the rules that we have is if you start, you're going to finish. If you start something, you're going to finish it. And so that used to be something that, that was taught often. But it seems that our, our culture is kind of sloughing it off, and it's not very important. And guess what? We can slough it off in some of the aspects of our life, like prayer. Now, here's just to give an illustration about persistence. 15 or 20 years ago, or however old or long ago that you want to age yourself, if you wanted a song, you heard a song on the radio, and you wanted to own that song, what did you have to do? Where did you have to go? A record store. And depending on which generation you fall in, you had to filter through and pilfer through stacks or, or cases of records or cassettes or eight tracks. Where are my eight track people at? All right. All right. Still, never mind. Um, and, or CDs. Or CDs. And you had to go through this rack and look for the song that you... I don't want any of the other 11 songs on that record or CD or 8-track. or I just want the one. But you had to go through it and you had to find it. Guess what? Now if I want a song, I say, uh, I say to my phone, Siri, download such and such a song. And within moments, it's on my phone, in my possession, and it goes everywhere I go. It's a different world. How many of you remember... Uh, sitting down with maybe your children or grandchildren at the, the dinner table, and somebody asked one of those weird off-the-wall questions that you had no idea what the answer was. One of my friends, um, their child, asked them this week, do mosquitoes poop? <laughs> now, now, 15, 20 years ago, if your child asked you that question, what did you, what, what did you do? Well, I don't know. And how many of you uh, owned an a set of Encyclopedia Britannica? And then you're, go you're, you're going through this encyclopedia looking for mosquitoes and their bathroom usage, right? And you're wondering if you can find the answer in an encyclopedia. Well, now... It's as simple as going, Siri, do they? And, and what used to, we have to be persistent about and go after, now it's right at our fingertips. And, and I, I just need to confess that we're, Ryan Perry is not very good at waiting on or working for things. I'm impatient. Anybody with me? I've seen some of you drive. I know you are. 
I've ridden with some of you, holding on to that handle the whole time. And that impatience has spilled over into my spiritual life. But persistence pays off. It pays off generally in all of life. It would do well for us and for our children and our grandchildren to learn persistence. Amen? But in our spiritual life, it also pays off dividends. Pays off dividends. Now, the Bible speaks of persistence in a lot of different ways. I'll mention a few of them here. But Matthew, Matthew 24, verse 13 says, The one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures the end. That's that whole tortoise and hare thing. It doesn't matter how you start the race. It's about finishing the race. It's about finishing. Now, Hebrews even says that language. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 um, says this, Run with endurance the race that is set before you, fixing your eyes on who? Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He talks about endurance. So that's just another word for persistence. Paul, near the end of his life, says to his disciple, young Timothy, he says, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I fought the good fight. Do you remember? He says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What's he saying? I have persisted in my faith. I have endured. And he says, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will grant to me on that day. So the Bible speaks about persistence in a lot of different aspects of our life. But today, we're going to look at the idea of being persistent in prayer. Persistent in prayer. And I want you to look at three phrases in our passage today that will speak to this lady's persistence. Look at verse 3. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. Kept coming. That means that she came and then she went home. And she came back, and she went home, and she came again, and she went home, and again, and again, and again, and again. She kept coming. And then in verse 5, there's another phrase. Verse 5 says, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me. She's bothering me. She's continually bothering me. That's another idea of her persistence. Remember, Jesus is telling a parable about prayer to instruct us how to pray. And here's what we can glean from it so far. That if we're going to be persistent in our prayers, we need to keep coming and we need to keep bothering. We need to keep bothering. And then it says at the end of verse 5, that I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. Now, when I, when I think about that, I think of two pictures I think of two word pictures or illustrations. I think of a lake. We have beautiful lakes up here. And if you were out on the lake this weekend, you were one in a million, weren't you? There were a lot of people on the lake. There were waves on the lake. My wife looked at me one time and she says, I feel like I'm in the Atlantic Ocean. I felt that way. And, and it was true. We were out on the lake and, and these huge waves were all across the lake. And guess what happens when that wave over and over hits the shore? What does it do to the shore? It erodes it. And that's the picture of prayer. That if you want a kind of prayer life that honors the Father, you need to be a wave that can just continually hits that shore of God's throne. I think of another Picture. I think of how many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? The Grand Canyon. What made the Grand Canyon grand? 
erosion. Water moving through a space began to make this beautiful Grand Canyon. Water cut through rock to form this beautiful canyon that we travel all across the country to see. Water made it. And I want you to understand that that the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the heart of a king is like a river in God's hands. And he turns it whichever way he wants. And so we, we need to be people like that water that are consistently flowing through that space and will wear a path to God. Now here's, here's what I mean by that in prayer. I want to talk about three qualities of persistent prayer today. Three qualities of persistent prayer that two of which are very clear in the scripture. One is implicit. One is implicit through the gospels of Jesus. Okay, so the first one is persistent prayer is an act of humble, humble dependence, an act of humble dependence. I want you to understand something. This widow in this story, she had no other options. She was out of options. If, if somebody's ignoring you and that you have another option, what are you going to do? You're going to go for option B, but not this lady. She knew she had one option and she had to do whatever she could do. She was dependent on this option. Now, this woman is uh, uh, said to be a widow. Now, she is not a widow that's got children and grandchildren. She would be a true widow. She doesn't have children and grandchildren to take care of her She is a widow, truly, in the sense of she's got no body. She has no ability to buy her way uh, and hire a good lawyer. She's got no power. She's got no other recourse in her life. She understood that she was completely dependent on the judge, and she humbly and persistently and boldly laid her case before the judge. And I want you to understand today that you and I are just like the widow in the story. We have no power to change our outcomes in our life. We are not powerful enough to determine our own destinies. But we are completely and humbly dependent on God who can. Have you tried changing your life? Have you tried working your way into a different situation? How'd that go? For me, it always ends up in anxiety and frustration and giving up. But prayer only finds its power when we understand that we are in the same place as this widow spiritually. We have no personal power. We have no other options and we have no resources. And so we come to the judge over and over and over with our request saying, give me justice. Give me justice. Prayer, like our spiritual life. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in what? Spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. See, being understanding that I am spiritually poor was the, the key to unlocking the kingdom in my life. I want you to understand that it, the same is true in prayer. Understanding that I am powerless, that I have, I've come to the ends of my efforts, brings me to a place where I can humbly depend on God, the only one who is able to change the outcomes of my future. Persistent prayer recognizes my frail limitations and God's infinite ability 
And this kind of prayer pleases God. Like little children. I love babies. Love babies. Anybody else love a baby? I like a baby, but I also like, now I like giving them back to their parents, right? Yep. Amen. All right. Uh, I love that. And, and I think what I, I love, what's so sweet about babies are, is babies are completely and utterly dependent on someone else. And do you know, that's exactly how God describes us. How does, what is one of the ways that he talks about Israel so often? He says, the children of Israel. Do you remember? We're going to look at it in just a couple weeks when we talk about childlike faith. But in Luke chapter 18, Jesus says, unless you come to me like a child. And that's true for us. This is like we're like little children who depend on their parents. So we depend on our father, our heavenly father for all of our needs. Now, I'm going to go this. The point is that persistent prayer recognizes or, or is an act of humble dependence on God. I mean, let me prove that. A few case studies. Do you remember the hemorrhaging woman in the Gospels? She had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years of her life. She had spent all her living, everything that she had, on finding a cure for it. And finally, she had no more options. And so she ran to Jesus. And what did she do? She touched the fringe of his robe and power flowed out of him. She was humbly dependent on God alone for her salvation. There was nothing she could do. How about the lepers that we just looked at a few weeks ago? The leper had no hope of curing himself. Completely dependent on God. And so they ran to Jesus and said, have mercy on us. The man born blind in John chapter 9. The man who was born lame. They cried to Jesus. They understood that only he is the only one who could help them. They cried to him. Jesus heard their cries and Jesus answered. See, persistent prayer is the opposite of what we teach our kids in life. What do we teach our kids in life? I've got to raise a child to become an independent human being. And so what I do is I, meet, I tie their shoes until I can teach them to tie their shoes. And then they don't need me anymore in that aspect in their life. And we move on to the next thing that they can't do without me. And so I, then I teach them how to do that until they no longer need me in that area of their life. And then they move on and they grow up. And hopefully by the time that they, they leave the house, the only thing they're calling for is wisdom. But do you know the kingdom of God, turn, or prayer turns that on its head. Prayer says the longer that I walk with Jesus, the more I find out that I need him. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I find out how dependent I am. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more he crucifies my pride. The, more I, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more humble I become. And the more I look to him and say, Father, help me. I got no other recourse. I got no other option. You're my only hope. And he says, now you're in the place where I can use you. A child of God becomes more dependent on their life 
not less dependent on God. Second thing that I want you to see is persistent prayer changes the way God acts in our world. Now, I taught this a few weeks ago in in our theology class on Wednesday night. By the way, short plug for this coming Wednesday night. This coming Wednesday night was designed as a Q&A. A Q&A, okay? If you have questions about what we've studied so far, um, you can bring your questions and we'll do our best to address them here from the floor on Wednesday night. Right in here, it's a fun time. We've got dinner at 5 and theology for the church, questions and answers here at 6 o'clock. The next week, we're going to do trivia. We're going to play theology trivia. It's a game. If you've never heard of trivia, I'll pray for you. Okay, we're going to have fun. We're going to compete with one another in Jesus' name. Uh, Somebody's going to whoop somebody else's, okay? We're going to have a fun time. We're going to laugh together, and we're going to have a good time uh, the next couple Wednesday nights. So please come and join us. So uh, we talked about point number two. Persistent prayer changes the way God acts in the world. Do you believe that? My mouth wants to say yes. But my, my, my prayer life often reflects the reality of my own heart. That I don't believe that as much as I should. Because if I believed that prayer changes the way that God acts in our world, I'd pray more. Amen? I would not get on Facebook and air my grievances about our country. I'd pray about my country. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get frustrated at the lost who are creating some kind of injustice. I would pray for them because only God can change them. But I don't, if, if I can just be honest this morning. I don't do that. There's a preacher named Billy Sunday. Have you ever heard of Billy Sunday? He said this. He said, if you're strangers to prayer, you're strangers to power. You're strangers to prayer, you're strangers to power. Now let me, let me prove this whole prayer changes the way God acts in the world out of our text. I want you to look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. For a while he refused. She kept coming, kept bothering, kept praying. And the judge, this unrighteous, wicked judge, gives her exactly what she asked for. If, now listen to me, church family, if a widow's continual coming changed the actions of an unrighteous, wicked judge, how much more will the cries of God's child move the hand of a loving heavenly father verse 7 verse 7 says and when will he not will not god give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night will he delay long over them verse 8 says i tell you he will give justice to them speedily speedily so remember jesus is teaching us about prayer He's not teaching us about some unrighteous judge. He's saying, if you believe that the the unrighteous judge got beat down, how much more would a loving Heavenly Father answer His children's prayers? He's teaching 
his disciples about the power of prayer in the life of the believer. And the Bible is filled with teachings and examples of how God changes the way that he's going to act by people interceding or praying or asking the Lord to do something differently. I'll mention a few. Back in the book of Genesis, chapter 19, Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah, and God saves Lot. He was going to destroy the whole thing, but God saved Lot and his family. Moses interceded for the people of Israel to save them from divine judgment in Exodus chapter 32 to 34. David said in Psalm 66 verse 19, Truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. God, in Isaiah chapter 38, we'll read it this coming week if you're reading your Bible study reading. Uh, In Isaiah 38, God says to Hezekiah, the king, you're going to die soon. What What does it say? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, and God responded, I have heard your prayer, and I've seen your tears. Behold, I've added 15 years to your life. God's children pray, and God changes the way that he acts in the world. Now let's, let's, let's just get something square. Does prayer change who God is? No. Can't. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change his word. It's infallible. It's timeless. But it, it can change the way that he acts in the world that we live in. Over and over, we see that God changes the way He acts through people, people's prayers. Robert Murray McShane, he says, Prayer moves Him that moves the universe. Prayer moves Him that moves the universe. God is waiting, I believe this wholeheartedly, God is waiting for His church to humble themselves and to seek His face. And if we would do that, then He would hear from heaven Forgive their sin and heal their land. But I believe that we, we often quote Second Chronicles 7.14, but I think that the, the one that God is waiting on is you and me. Might God be waiting for His people to pray before He moves in powerful ways? What might God do in our lives or in our church or in our county if we would simply pray? What revival might be on the tips of God's fingers that if we just began to ask Him for it, He might let it pour out from heaven? What fresh heavenly blessing could God be waiting to pour out? And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that God has come so that you can be healthy and wealthy and wise. I'm not talking about that. But what spiritual blessings await those who pray? But you and I simply haven't gone. We're not persistent in prayer. Well, Ryan, my my prayer request is just too little. I don't want to bother God. You ever thought that? I want you to understand that there's no request too little for your father. One of my favorite quotes about prayer goes like this. There's only one person that can bother the king will wake the king in the middle of the night for a cup of cold water. And that's his child. And you and I have that access into God's presence every day.
we can awake the king of glory. He doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber, but you get my point. We can rouse him for a cup of cold water. There's nothing too small for our God that he does not care about. it. He cares about the hairs of our head. Some of us he cares more about than others. You're with me, brother, right? He cares about the hairs of our head. He's numbered our days. Even the sparrows, the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, he cares about them. How much more does he care about you and me who belong to him because of what Jesus has done? Does God hear everybody's prayers and answer everybody's prayers the same way? No. Why? Because sin separates us from God. A person living in rebellion to God who has not trusted Jesus Christ as the Savior, that Jesus Christ would give peace between the holy God and sinful man, that person who is living in rebellion and who is not trusted in God's promised salvation, that person, God hears their prayers, but He is not obligated to answer their prayers in the way that God would answer His own children's prayers. I've used this illustration before, but I can walk through Walmart and I can hear a child uh, throwing a fit, a temper tantrum in aisle four with the candy aisle. Do you know what I mean? We've all been there. And as long as that child doesn't belong to me, I'm not as concerned. God responds differently to the cry of his children than those who aren't. Well, what about when God doesn't answer my prayers? And I, I just want you to know today that I believe God always answers prayers. Always. He answers them in three ways. Yes, no, and not now. Yes, no, and not now. So sometimes what seems to be not answering is either a no or a not now. Aren't you glad that you don't get everything that you want when you want it? I've said this before, but I'd be married to my sixth grade girlfriend. Oh, Lord, I'm glad I didn't do that. Thank you, Lord, for saying no. See, persistent faith does not go looking for God to answer all my requests. See, faith goes after God's will for my life. I don't want my will for me. Persistent faith goes after His will for me. It trusts that that I'm going to entrust my request in the hands of a, a merciful, loving, heavenly Father. Not a genie in a bottle. Persistent faith trusts in God's character. See, when I understand that prayer is a means that I get what I want, I've missed the point of prayer. Prayer is first the means by which I fellowship with God. Prayer puts me into His presence. Prayer gives me another perspective. Prayer is the way that I get into His presence and, and the means by which I come to the fountain of living water so that my thirsty soul might be satisfied. That's what prayer does. And when then then I lay my requests at the hands of the omnipotent, omniscient creator and sustainer saying, your will be done, I trust you completely. I'm not there yet. And when our persistent prayers line up with the will of God, God will not delay. He will give justice speedily. 
Last thing I want you to hear this morning is persistent prayer is grounded in the work of Christ. Persistent prayer is grounded in the work of Christ. Listen, a lot of us are trying to pray. We're trying to pray without having the work of Jesus applied to our lives. And it's impossible. That's what it means to come in Jesus' name. When Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, it it doesn't mean that if you add in Jesus' name to the end of a prayer, it's like some magical incantation that all i got to do is add it to the end of a prayer and he'll give me all my heart's desires. That's not what it means. Praying in Jesus' name means that my prayer life, my persistent prayer is grounded in the work of Christ. What? So what is his work? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. He goes between a sinful man and a holy God on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16 says that Jesus is our high priest. That he offers acceptable sacrifices on our behalf. Hebrews 9 and 10 says that Jesus is our all-sufficient sacrifice. That there on the, in His life, He lived a perfect sinless life as our substitute. And as the sacrificial lamb there on the cross, he, Jesus died for our sin as the substitute. And then as the scapegoat, Jesus not only dies for our sin, but He bears our sins away from us forever. He is our all-sufficient sacrifice. In Matthew chapter 27, when Jesus breathed his last, the veil in the temple is torn from top to bottom. God tore it that day. He made a way. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And many of us are trying to get to the Father apart from what Jesus has done. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 says that Jesus intercedes for us. I love this. He intercedes for us. He stands at the right hand of God, interceding for us day after day after day. Let me give you a a scriptural um, example of that. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32 Jesus looks at Simon Peter just before Simon Peter is going to betray him. And Jesus says, Simon, Satan demanded to sift you like wheat. You remember this? But this is what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you return, strengthen the brothers. Jesus prayed for Peter. That is, he is interceding for you and for me. So here's the question, the theological question. What got, G, or what got Peter through his denial? Jesus' prayers. Jesus was interceding for him. What did he say? Satan demanded to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Can <laughs> he, I, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you return, when you return, don't miss that line. When you return, I've prayed for you, your faith isn't going to fail. So when you do return, strengthen the brothers. Jesus' prayers got Peter through. Let me tell you something. I've I've said this before. 
But it's not your mama's or your grandmother's or your, your friend's prayers that have gotten you through something. I tell you, I tell you whose prayers that we can attribute all of the good things in our life to. It's his prayers, Jesus's prayers. I just need you to know, Jesus was praying for you before you were born. He was praying for you before you were born. He was praying for you before you were saved. He was praying for you before you sinned. And Jesus will pray you to heaven. Jesus' work and Jesus' prayers have brought you through to God. If I make it to heaven, it's only going to be because of the prayers of Jesus and his work on the cross. I'll never be able to stand before God in heaven and go, man, did you see my faith, God? Did you see how amazing I was? I had it all together down there. Aren't you glad I was on your team? But I will get to heaven by the sheer grace of God alone. Not my works, not my prayers, not my merit, but only by the gift of God. Think about this. When you sin, and we will, on our way to lunch, we'll get impatient. And when you sin, the incarnate word of God is at the Father's right hand, appealing to God on your behalf. Isn't that an amazing thought? Like Jesus. Jesus is going, Father, that's, that sin's covered by my blood. Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Every day, Jesus appears in the presence of God on your behalf and on my behalf, if you have trusted in the work of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Romans 8.34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What's he doing right now? Interceding for you and me. He's praying for you and me. Isn't that thought incredible? See, Okay, so persistent prayer is an act of humble dependence on God. I can't, you can. Okay? Persistent prayer believes that Prayer changes the way that God acts in the world. And, and persistent prayer is rooted and grounded in the work of Jesus. Now, Jesus leaves us with an application point. He asks this question in the end of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's teaching them about faithful prayer. And he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What kind of faith? Well, a faith that is humble dependence on God. A faith that believes prayer moves the Father's hand. A faith that is rooted in Jesus and his cross. Will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith in you and me? A faith that pleases him. I want nothing more than to please my Father. I want nothing more than to lay my head down on my pillow at the end of every day and, and for the Father to say, well done. Good job, son. One perfect. 
the job. I want nothing more than to please him. See, when I first started following Jesus, I just didn't want to tick him off. But now I want to do everything I can to please him. Will he find faith on earth? A faith that pleases God. Some of you in this room, you want to pray. You want to be persistent in your prayer. But your first step isn't prayer. Your first step is trusting in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it in this room, call me. Shoot me an email. rperry at SenecaBaptist.org. Shoot me a text. A carrier pigeon. Snail mail. Whatever it takes. Get, get me a, a message that says, I want to talk to you. I want to give my life to Jesus. That's your first step. Other, others of us, we need to learn to not give up. That we would always pray and not lose heart. Because our God's in control. Would you stand with me? Would you pray? Father, we come to you only because of what Jesus has done. We come in his name, which means we come through his cross, which means we come through the veil that was torn, which means we come covered by the blood, which means we come because of your life and your death and your resurrection, which means we come because you're interceding for us. We come to you only because of what Jesus has done. And what a privilege, Lord, it is to pray today. To know that, that somehow in some incredibly mysterious and wonderful way your ears are at a, our attention. We, we've got your full attention right now. And so first we praise you. We thank you. Thank you that the blood of Jesus has never failed me. We thank you, Father, for that all-sufficient work on the cross, which gave us a brand new relationship with you. We thank you, Father, that you hear our prayers and that you're able to move the world. And so, Father, there are a lot of requests that we make of you this morning. And Father, just like the leopard pray, the leper prayed. We say, if you will, you can. There's nothing that's impossible for you. Father, we come to you this morning and I thank you. That, that the Christian life is backward. That the longer that I walk with you, the more I find out that I need you. And then you're going to bring me to you one day. Until then, until that time where there's no need for prayer. Until that time, Father, would you make your church persistent prayers? Change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.